Every now and then, I meet someone who's changing the world for the better by their sheer will alone. Whether they're authors, activists, or adventurous, these people are blazing a path with their deep enthusiasm and allowing the world to follow. Their passion is strong, and my passion is to tell their stories. I am Brian Platt, and this is Passion Project. Hey, what's going on, guys? In this podcast, I speak with Julia Vanessa of the Labasa Wildlife Sanctuary, the only wildlife sanctuary in Liberia. So while we talk about other animals, much of the conversation is focused around pangolins, which is the world's most trafficked animal. Um, we talk about that because you know a lot of people don't know what pangolins are, and on top of that, most people don't know exactly how trafficked they are. So it turns out you know they are more trafficked than elephants, rhino horn, and tiger parts uh, combined. So they are also really desired locally for bushmeat. So she, uh, Julie, has her hands full with trying to, you know, overturn this really embedded part of the culture of eating bushmeat and eating um, pangolins in general. And they're also desired internationally in many Asian countries because people believe that their scales have medicinal value, which, of course, they do not. Um, so, yeah, I have to mention something about the audio quality. Uh, it's a bit spotty as her internet is a little bit rough because uh, she's on site in Liberia, which makes sense. Um, but we tr tried recording this in a few different ways, but this is the best we could get. So my hope is to do another one in the future with her. But since Julie's so busy, I wanted to make sure to upload this now just to make sure there is something out there uh, sooner rather than later. Anyways, I hope you enjoy. Um, it's kind of a shorter one because of the audio issues, but I learned a lot. So I'm hoping you guys will as well. Um, and yeah, if so, uh, feel free to like, rate, and subscribe, um, and review, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, take care. Enjoy. All right. So I'm here with Julie Vanasse of Labasa Wildlife Sanctuary. It's the first wildlife sanctuary in Liberia. So Labasa offers protection of threatened and endangered species such as civets, monkeys, antelopes, and pangolins, which is the world's most trafficked animal. So researchers estimate that 2 million pangolins have been illegally traded in the past 16 years, which is like roughly 100,000 a year. And so they're actually more sought after than elephant tusk, rhino horn, and tiger parts combined. So thanks for coming on, Julie. I really appreciate you talking about this. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so that's a pretty crazy number. Um, for an animal not many people know about. So can you talk a little bit about pangolins and explain them to someone who's not too familiar? Yes, absolutely. So pangolins are actually very unique in the fact that it's the only mammal with scales. So sometimes they are referred to as walking pine cones or walking artichokes because they are the only mammal with scales. <laughs> they, there are eight species. There's four species in Asia and four species in Africa. But like you said, it's the most illegally trafficked mammal because in Asia, there's the traditional Chinese medicine and they believe that the scales of the pangolin can cure diseases, which is not true. Yeah. The scales of pangolins are made of keratin, just like our hair and our fingernails, so it doesn't cure anything. It killed most of the Asian species of pangolin, and so now, to meet the demand, they're now coming to Africa to take all the African pangolins 
and ship them to China or Vietnam or Asia in general, where uh, these scales are used in the Chinese traditional medicine. So this is one reason why African pangolins are under threat, but also in Africa, and especially here in Liberia or in West Africa in general, pangolins are also a very, um, it's a delicacy. People, people eat them here on a massive scale. Pangolins here are referred to as sweet meat. And uh, every day, pangolins are sold on the, ro- on the streets here in, uh, in Liberia to be eaten. So they're actually facing double threats. They're being eaten and they're being illegally trafficked to Asia for Chinese traditional medicine. So this is the problem we face with pangolins today. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I was reading about that, like internally within Africa, they're being eaten for bushmeat, but that stopped in like 2014 because of the Ebola outbreak. Is that true? Exactly. Everybody um, got scared, obviously, and rightfully so, uh, during the Ebola outbreak. Um, and then we have seen a decline in the consumption of bushmeat. Um, but uh, yeah, once the disease was under control, um, people started consuming bushmeat again because they, they just prefer the taste of the meat. Every, a lot of people in Liberia have access to chicken, but they prefer the meat of bushmeat. So like you were mentioning, there are, you know, eight species of pangolin in the world. You mentioned four in Asia, four in Africa. Um, the four in Asia, there's, there's much less of them because they've already been hunted to extinction uh, practically. Um, what are the species that are in the most endangered both in and out of Liberia and in and out of Africa? Um, the, there aren't any exact numbers on because a lot of research has been done uh, in Liberia, mm. but uh, I'm sure that the, especially the white-bellied pangolins are facing the same fate as the Asian pangolins at the at the moment. The Asian pangolins are are um, they're not doing well in the wild, and we're heading this way with our African species as well. Wow, yeah, interesting. So we talked a little bit like, you know, why they're endangered. A lot of times it's for bushmeat, at least internally within Africa. And then, um, you know, externally in Asia, it's for things like, you know, people think they have medicinal qualities, um, but the scales really are just kind of made from the same material mm-hmm. that our fingernails are made from. Um, can you talk a little bit about like what they look like, yeah. what they, you know, how they interact with each other, how long they live, just for someone who's never seen one? Because from my understanding, even people who... Um, you know, work in wildlife conservation in Africa, a lot of them have not even seen pangolins in the wild. They're so rare. Yes, it's true. So pangolins, um, so they're the only mammal with scales, um, which makes them very unique. And they're very shy and elusive creatures. So it's true. Many people can, I've, I've heard people living in, in countries where uh, pangolins occur and they have never seen one in their entire life. Um, it's, it's also the case that um, not much is known about pangolins just because they are so elusive and because they're so, so shy. Many species are active at night, so it's not very easy to find, the, find them. And for example, the giant pangolin um, is extremely hard to spot in the, in the wild. Um, but what we do know from, from rescue centers, um, so they're solitary animals. 
for example, um, white-bellied pangolins, they live in the trees and on the ground. Black-bellied pangolins spend most of their time in the trees and rarely go on the ground. Uh -huh. And of course, giant pangolins are too big to climb the trees, so they mainly live on the floor. Um, they're solitary animals, so they live alone, and they mainly eat ants and termites. Mm. And they have a very long, sticky tongue to slurp up ants and termites that they find in branches or in uh, in the trees. Um, they can eat. Because if there are too many ants or termites, um, they would destroy the forest. So basically, pangolins are very much needed uh, healthy. Oh, wow. So you cut out a little bit there, but it sounds like, you know, they're needed to keep the forest healthy to make sure that, you know, there's not too many ants that are yes. destroying the area. Wow. Interesting. So yes, yes, exactly. They all eat ants and termites. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen them. They're very, very striking. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how they're hunted, how these are, um, the pangolins are gathered? Yes, so pangolins, um, so like shy and uh, like other mammals, uh, I mean, they don't, they don't even have teeth. They only have this tongue to eat. And uh, their only defense mechanism is like a hedgehog. When you scare them or when they're frightened, they roll into a ball right. and um, the scales actually protect them from being bitten by another animal. So um, any predator cannot bite through their scales. So the, when they roll into a ball, it's actually the perfect arm except against humans. Right. So what happens is uh, these uh, pangolins, they get caught in the trap, they get scared, they roll into a ball and you just pick them up and you and you just caught yourself a pangolin. This is actually how they are they are caught. Um, yeah, they they are no match to humans. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I think that's one of the more depressing parts about it is that they're scared, they roll up into little balls and then people just pick them up and put them in bags and that's how they take them. It's it's like yeah. it's like quote unquote hunting a turtle. Doesn't seem like it's that difficult to do so it is probably that coupled with their you know long gestation period is and the fact that they are so mm -hmm. hunted both you know within africa and outside is really probably detrimental to their overall populations it's true they only have one pup at a time yeah so there's no way that uh, they can recover from the damage that we caused yeah, I mean, so it is truly, uh, you know, it's it's pretty depressing to hear about. But, you know, Liberia and also Africa in general seems like is taking, and the world is taking a stand against that. Like, I know there's a lot of stuff being done to protect the pangolins. They've been recently added to CITES Appendix 1 for under protection, which is mm -hmm, the strongest mm -hmm, under mm -hmm. international law. Um, in 2016, they were given national protection in Liberia, which means it was illegal to eat, keep, catch, sell, kill, or transport any species, any protected species, which includes pangolin. Um, yeah. Have these efforts been helping at all, or, or is it still very difficult to maintain the species population? Well, Liberia has a very long history of consuming bushmeat. And it's a tradition. It's, it's Liberian culture almost. 
So it's very difficult to change such a very long tradition overnight. Um, it will, these things will take time. And the new law has only been around since 2016. Right. Um, so everything starts with awareness. And so we've been trying to educate a lot of people on, on the fact that it's now illegal to eat wild animals, and including pangolins. But I, don't, I think it's, uh, it's not very realistic to think that we will just change this overnight. It's still a very preferred um, meat. Uh, it, it's very wanted in Liberia. And, and you don't change these traditions overnight. I'm sure that this will take many, many years um, for, uh, for this attitude to change. Yeah, that makes sense. It seems like it's something that's kind of embedded in the culture. Um... So what are, yes. what are the, um, you know, let's say someone does get caught with a large amount of pangolin scales. What are the punishments for trading them and are they enforced to begin with? We um, are part of a confiscation unit. We have um, received funding uh, by, by the European Union to be part of a confiscation unit, so it, it's with uh, local uh, and, and international partners who are working very hard on enforcing the law. But again, these things take time. We're just at the beginning of things, and uh, we're now testing uh, the system to see if it works. And of course, we stumble upon problems as we go along, and then we try and fix those problems as we go along. Yeah. So we, we have a, a plan in place, but it's now the the, whole, the the hardest thing is the startup. Uh, that's the hardest thing to do. But once we get started, once everybody knows what to do, everybody's familiar with the protocols, everybody um, everybody's on the same page, then it will be easier. But now, like I said, it's just the beginning of things. We're still working towards um, being a well-oiled machine. <laughs> so, what is the um... What's the ultimate goal once everything is up and running for the confiscation unit? Is that um, we we end the illegal bushmeat and pet trade in Liberia? That everybody is aware of the law. That everybody knows that it's illegal to eat pangolins or to eat monkeys or to um, take protected animals from the forest. This is our main goal, that everybody knows the law and that we no longer see pangolins being sold at every junction, in town. that we no longer see monkeys being tied uh, on, on poles in, uh, in, the, in the cities. So what is Labasa's role with pangolins themselves? Like, do they, when they find them, do they catch them and keep them for safekeeping? Because I imagine catching and releasing, you know, puts them back in the same jeopardy in which they were in to begin with. It's true. So tackling the, the bushmeat trade is a very complex thing to do. Mm. So first of all, um, pangolins don't do very well in captivity. Um, they die very easily. They're very sensitive animals. They get sick very easily. Um, they don't do well in captivity at all. But what happens is, so when... Uh, it's actually a, it's organized crime. So there's a whole network of people involved in selling uh, pangolins. 
people hunt the pangolins and then the sellers buy they will buy six pangolins at once and then they will keep them alive for a few days and sell them two 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 in a row um they they find a nest that they can a nest of ants or termites that they can feed off for a day of course these pangolins are too stressed to eat um but this is mostly how it's done they buy the sellers buy um a few the hunters they keep them try to keep them alive for a few days and then three days in a row they will sell two pangolins two or three pangolins um so of course then when authorities um confiscate these animals and they're brought to us these animals are starved dehydrated uh sometimes they have wounds injuries from the snares from the traps uh and they wow. come in in terrible condition and then of course it takes a long time uh to rehabilitate them uh for them to go back to the wild and yes you're right we cannot just put them back in the forest and wish them all the best we need to make sure that not only the law is enforced but that also when we put pangolins back in the forest that the national parks have the protection they need um so this is another um issue in tackling the the bushmeat trade or the pet trade you have to um yeah you have to tackle the hunters and then of course make sure that the hunting cannot take place in the first place you have to protect the the local national parks and the and the areas and inform the people that it's no longer allowed to buy and eat these animals so everybody in the in the organized crime chain has to be informed that it's no longer uh, acceptable to do it yeah yeah i mean it's got to be a whole rewiring of people's you know perception it is it's a it's a, it's a mentality change yeah, yeah it's a complete mentality change so are there any attempts at breeding pangolins um once they are in uh, you know captured at least for the short short term to try and maintain the population before you know hopefully we are able to rewire people's mentalities well that would be a perfect uh, scenario but it's already difficult enough to just keep them alive in captivity let alone let them breed in captivity right. uh so far all the attempts have uh, had no success pangolins simply do not breed in captivity i wish they did because it would be a, a good chance for the species but unfortunately they don't we already have a hard enough time keeping them alive so um yeah so it seems like the big thing is awareness for the pangolins there's really not much else we can do other than um you know making people aware of their plight making people aware uh that soon enough you know if we're going down this track they could be gone do you have any numbers is it difficult to say how long we have with the pangolins at the rate we're going uh to be honest i think within 5 years um we will lose the species if we continue to do what we were doing now wow. but actually i've read an article a while ago from an expert who was doing research on uh, endangered species and he even mentioned 2 years oh, he's wow. in 2 years this species can be can be gone um so we are really really out of time um it is uh it's a very urgent matter um there's no when it comes to pangolins every one that we can rescue every one that we can put back into the forest is literally of of huge importance um there really aren't many left anymore
So uh, yeah, it, it puts a lot of pressure on uh, <laughs> on fairies like us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned you mentioned that pangolins are just one of the animals, uh, species of animals that Labasa keeps. What else do you do? Like, what other animals do you house? Uh, and what's the process for um, you know rehabilitating them? So being the wildlife center in Liberia and neighboring countries uh, to take in different species of animals, um, we basically take in everything except chimpanzees because we're not equipped uh, to house uh, chimpanzees. Um, but anything else enters our sanctuary, and that can be uh, antelope, Lots of monkeys, um, a lot of sutumabis also. They are very often kept as pets here in Liberia. Um, we get crocodiles, we get turtles. Uh, we even last week, uh, civets, genets, um, what else? Parrots, birds of prey, mongoose, um, oh, any animal that you can think of that is not a chimpanzee has the, entered the sanctuary. <laughs> so... Because we in so many different species of animals, um, every animal has different needs and has a different uh, rehabilitation process. So this is very difficult for us that we always have to be ready for the next species that comes in with the needs that it requires. And so every animal has a different rehabilitation process. Oh, wow. For now, to be honest, the crocodile are the easiest to release. And the hardest animals to release are the monkeys. Because here in Liberia, what happens is all the adults are killed for bushy. But of course, these orphan baby monkeys show survival skills. Of course, these are things we learn from their mothers, who has been killed for bushmeat. So monkeys take a very long rehabilitation process until they can go back into the wild because we need to teach them how to survive in the wild. So this can take many, many years. And not only the rehabilitation process itself, but also the process in looking at funding, because we're looking at a project to release um, 20 of our monkeys, and that will cost us about $30,000 that we don't have the moment for $30,000 to get our monkeys back into the wild. Wow. So um, it's it's not easy. It's easy at all. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's a uh, difficult. So when it comes to monkeys, like how does that? What is that process of you trying to teach them what to do in the wild? How does that work out? And also, you know, why is it more expensive to reintroduce them into the wild? Where does that uh, money go, and where does it come from most times? Well, first of all, so the monkeys, um, they require a lot of food. Um, so first of all, it's very expensive to to keep them at the sanctuary because we need a lot of inclusion and they eat a lot of food. Um, but then when it comes to the rehabilitation part, um, we, it's um, rehabilitating a group of primates is about two years. And this is something that we've learned from the Zambia Primate Project. Um, they have very high success rates in releasing primates, and they've been teaching us how to do it. And uh, they say, so first of all, the monkey will go to an area where there are no people in a 15 kilometer radius, uh, which is not easy in Liberia, but prior. And so first they will have to be in an enclosure in that area 
uh, for a few months to just get used to the area and to get used to the farm. Gotcha. Then, um, but we will put colors on them, on the dominant of the group. Follow the group every day, all day, for about a year. And we will still feed these animals ourselves. We will still provide food for them. They don't know anything about how to find food in the forest. That's going to be something they don't have to worry about. And then they can get to know the forest in their time. And then after a while, we stop feeding them at all. Um, and then we stop them every day for about six months. If we see after six months, they can find enough food. They can fend for themselves. They understand the things of the forest. They know how the forest works. Then we can leave the forest. And then they've officially been released. So this is how it works. <laughs> Monkeys have to learn a lot, and um, the, I'm sure the forest is a very complex place to live. So we need to give them enough time to learn all these things before they've officially been declared beast. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So it sounds like I, I missed a little bit of that, but yeah. it sounds like it's it's a large learning, a very steep learning process for the monkeys. Um, yes. 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 And of course, these these dangers have to be paid. To monitor these monkeys every day so of course this also costs a lot of money and uh okay the food that we still provide for them also needs to be paid for um it's uh it's a pretty expensive uh ordeal so let me ask this how do people help um you know labasa and how do people help uh pangolin species as a whole well, act, well, people can help the sanctuary um, by making donation. Uh, we have a crowdfunding uh, page on our website, um, which is libasawildlifesanctuary.org, including a pangolin box. The donation you can actually sponsor the rehabilitation of a pangolin, and um, any donation give us will go to rescue rehabilitation and release animals we don't the, the donations are used for that and goes to the animals only so in okay, with more funding we can rescue more pangolins we can hire more staff because this is also something i, I actually forgot to mention um taking care of pangolins is a very very labor intensive thing to do uh, and also one of the most expensive ones because we partner with uh, Tiki Highwood Foundation in Zimbabwe. They have over 25 years of experience doing pangolins, and they told us how to do it. Basically, what we need to do to feed pangolins, we need to walk them in the hole like you would feed a monkey. Um, we need to walk them in the forest, and they need to find their own food. And this can take four hours a day for one pangolin. Oh, wow. So we walk them two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, Sometimes if they couldn't find enough food, we walk them again at midnight. So it's a very, very labor-intensive thing to do. So for now, we have four pangolins. So you do the math, how many hours we spend in the forest looking for ants and termites. Right. And of course, they need salary. So... That's one of the things we need um, money is to hire more staff so we can rescue more pangolins. But also, we can use extra funds for law enforcement um, to 
sister court because all this needs to be paid too. Uh, we need money for fuel to go and get pangolins that are being sold in town for awareness, you know, flyers, billboards, radio jingles to inform people that it's no longer allowed to catch them. So, um, yeah, like I said, for these things will be used for the rescue and education of, uh, of animals. Yeah. So, Julie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for, you know, informing us about the plight of what's going on with the pangolin, what's going on, you know, with Labasa, with the wildlife sanctuary, and how people can help uh, this really spectacular species. Um, I hope to connect with you in the future, and I really hope that we can see, you know, the species back on the rise again. I think it's a really, um, you know, very beautiful animal, and I want people to, to appreciate them as much as you do. So thank you again for your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining. If you liked that episode, feel free to rate, view, and subscribe. That actually really helps. If you haven't seen it yet, take a look at the accompanying blog. Don't forget your boots.com, where you can read more and see photos for all the interviews. Until next time. Take care.